Today's show is hands down one of the most fun interviews of the season. We talked to Nicole Glover about her debut fantasy novel, The Conductors. Set in the Reconstruction era in Philadelphia, we meet Hetty and Benji Rose, a former enslaved couple who were conductors for the Underground Railroad. The couple soon finds themselves forced to enter the world of solving murder cases when one of their closest friends winds up murdered. Nicole spoke about why she wanted to write a novel that gave black people the ability to perform magic, her love of Sailor Moon, and the importance of looking towards the future when writing stories intertwined in the past. I'm Danny. And I'm Veronica. Stay with us for another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzy'sbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. Hello, welcome to another Vulgar Geniuses podcast. We're your hosts, <laughs> and we speak together. My name is Denny. And I'm Veronica. We're twins. We're yes. Twins. <laughs> if you can see us, we're both wearing pink, unintentional, but here we are. Um, tonight, we have a very special guest. Um, we have Miss Nicole Glover. Yay. So, a little information before we put uh, Miss Glover in the hot seat. Um, Nicole mm. Glover works as a UX researcher in Virginia. She believes libraries are magical places. So do I, because I used to be a librarian. And problems mm. seem smaller with a cup of tea in hand. Her life outside of books includes bicycles, video games, and baking the perfect banana bread the conductors is her debut novel and she can be found at nicole-glover.com welcome to the show hey happy to be here it's gonna be fun so you know we, we we'd like to um start with a little bit of um some rapid fire questions um and you know just tell us which um you know what answer comes to mind first okay 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 all so, right. first of all, this is this is really my question. This is the most important question out of all today. Who is your favorite Sailor Moon character? Right now, I'm going to say Sailor Jupiter. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite. Anyway, <laughs> so excited about that one. Yes. <laughs> Next question: What astrology sign is your favorite besides your own? Mm, let's go with Libra. Always like the the scales. We're both Libras. Oh. Yes. Good answer. Good this answer. is good to go on the wavelength. Same yes. wavelength, apparently. Do you consider Pluto as a planet? Of course, it's still a planet. Yes. It's it's very important. Yes. There you go. What's your favorite constellation? Mm, I'm going to say Ursa Major. Okay. Or minor. Okay. Which one? There's the classics. <laughs> Name a character from a book that you would want to talk to in real life. Uh, I don't, don't think there's anyone I really want to talk to. <laughs> I can't think of one right at the moment, really. Um, I'm, I don't know, Matilda from 
the Matilda Matilda book because okay. she's a bookworm like me. I identified that as a kid, and she has my uh, telekinesis powers. Oh, there you go. I like that. Um, name a book that will help get you out of a reading funk. Um, sometimes it'll be like a sometimes a, a rom com. Something lighthearted, something lighthearted, something good seen. It's fun. Usually something about food and, and and then too. Sometimes a book about food and romance and friendship and stuff. And then sometimes romance for the food because we love yes. those <laughs> <laughs> Um And lastly, what is the one thing that you missed the most since the start of the pandemic? I'm just kind of wandering around town and just not worrying about stuff. This, yeah. I know just like exploring places. And not thinking about all these hundred different things about stuff, like not touching your face or like crossing the street from people who are not wearing masks, that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. And that is, that is a real, that's a real, that's a real thing I miss too. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes you forget like, oh yeah, it's the pandemic. We got to wear and do all of this. (laughs) Um, So we are here not to talk about all this other stuff, but to talk about the conductors. Um, So we'll, we'll give um, everybody a little um, snippet of what it is. Um, so as an, uh, as an escaped slave, Hetty Rhodes helped dozens of people find their own freedom north using her wits and her magic. Now that the Civil War is over, Hetty and her husband, Benji, still fighting for the people by solving the murders and mysteries that white authorities won't touch. So first of all, um, we wanted to ask, how did the idea for the conductors came about? Um, it's different space, different um, sources in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it started as historical fiction. I like the idea that I was interested in the Underground Railroad. They had the, the characters heading Benjamin were kind of came fully formed in my mind at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But as a piece of historical fiction, I think I was pull, I was messing around with the idea for about two years without really doing anything. I just had I just had I just had the concept with it. Mm-hmm. But once I added fantasy to it, I added the magic stuff into it, it just kind of came to life. I had a, I felt like I had the story and like thing a direction go with it. And the mystery element, the murder aspect just fell into place somehow. And that's kind of where it started. <laughs> where it started. That's what's up. Well yeah. it, we had a we had a good time reading reading the book. <laughs> um and so it while reading it it made me really <laughs> think about because I we both love books, but I love <laughs> television. And so I feel like the last few years we've been living in, we've been getting some really great TV. And in 2019 mm-hmm. and 2020, it gave us some of the best like sci-fi fantasy um, television mm-hmm. that featured black leads. Um, the mm-hmm. Watchmen and Lovecraft Country built their stories with Tulsa at the center point of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've chosen to set the conductors uh, post-slavery a post-Civil War uh, in Philadelphia. Why did you choose this time period to serve as the background of your of your book? I think, one, I came first. I, I know I wanted to write a story that was post-Civil War, post-slavery, because I think when I started writing it, we had, like, a bunch of slave stories, like movies, TV, and mm-hmm. stuff. Some were good, some not so great. Mm-hmm. And I know I wanted to write a story, like, past all that time period. And also, I get the Reconstruction period kind of interests me because I didn't know much about it when growing up. Like, you know, it's like about a chapter, a page in the history books. And it's like kind of just kind of brushed over a lot of things. And I think more I did research about into that time period, figuring out this is where I want to tell the story. I found a lot of things that interested me. And a lot of my interest research led me to Philadelphia because 
I think because it had a big, Philadelphia had a big free black population before the Civil War. It had a strong mm -hmm. community roots that were just very, it's very interesting to me. Lots, lots of famous people went through there. I mean, Harriet Tubman went through there, Frederick Douglass did stuff. Uh, like William Stoll, who was like the leader of, of like a bunch, he did like, he basically like a station master for the railroad, was like, he did a bunch, he did handle a bunch of the Underground Railroad activities. And there's lots of interesting stories. And even going further back in, in the time period within Philadelphia itself, and a lot of interesting things that happened post the Civil War that were also fascinating to me. And yeah, this came, it felt like a perfect place. And I just kept finding lots of resources that previously was telling me that said it in Philadelphia instead of somewhere else. So, um, How did you go about choosing which character uh, would have like specific gifts? Cause you know, this, this book is involved with a lot of magic, which I absolutely yeah. love. Um, yeah. So how did you decide like whose strength would be, would be what? Mm. I think it was just a kind of this kind of went around with personalities and things that contrasted with, particularly with Teddy, mostly like some of the characters, like one character is mostly like makes potions, more alchemy, alchemist kind of style. And that's and that's it's the strength because it complements Hetty's strength because Hetty is not a potion maker; she doesn't not interested in doing that. Okay. So someone else being really good at it is a nice compliment. And that's also that person gets to become the healer too, because you know Hetty gets in Hetty and Benny get out in trouble. So we need a healer, a doctor to help them patch up and stuff. And that's kind of how a lot of different character traits got separated out, like someone to kind of complement what Teddy kind of lacks or not as great at. Basically, it's kind of I kind of build it out, and they think, and also just some personalities I make. I had like traits of like you know some characters are more like the orny and kind of like picky in particular about mm -hmm. stuff. Who like to be fussy, so it's and you know I just is basically just building out different character types and building their strengths and weaknesses around around that and make that to kind of build out a cast because I wanted to have a really interesting a supporting cast around the characters because it's always the fun part seeing how people they bounce off the main characters mm -hmm. I have a question in regards to that because mm -hmm. your website which I, I absolutely love <laughs> if if you can go to her website because what you've done is you've assigned um, uh, the astrological signs yes. for each of the main characters <laughs> in the book yeah. The first thing I love is the fact that um, Hetty and Benji are in inverted with mm -hmm. their signs. And I'm like, yes, yeah. it's like perfect couple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the pieces yeah. of a puzzle is complete now. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was on purpose. I loved it. Did you do mm -hmm. that also when you were trying to figure out what type of gift that they would have with their magic? Were you also thinking about their astrology sign? I think it was kind of... I've always been big into astrology, so I, all these little traits about astrology and mm -hmm. between like the sun signs, moon signs, and basically the big three, I kind of have already had in mind as I was building out the characters. And some of them, I think I was more supporting cast. It's kind of like, oh, I kind of leaned towards more of it once I said in their said it set their star signs in. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but definitely for Henny Benji, I was kind of leaning in. I was, I guess, I had those the traits of this, this of astrology in there in mind as I was building out the characters. And I guess once I started really like m mapping out the character chart, the character list, and like assigning certain things, I kind—I guess I kind of as I revise, I probably emphasize more, sort to make it, you know, make it fit basically. Yeah, but yeah. I think a lot of it was like, I already had in mind as I was writing to begin with, so it wasn't. So a lot of times it's more like, and I just randomly clicked, they made a connection of these zodiac signs, like, oh, this perfectly fit, like, like I planned basically, mm -hmm. even though I didn't really plan it out, out like that when I was first writing it, but it fit nicely. Does any of them have the same uh, sign as you? I don't think 
I know one of them. I'm a Gemini. I think I don't. I think that someone might someone might have a moon sign, but I don't think I assigned them at least these characters with okay. I, these particular characters. But yeah, it wasn't. Just... So who was your um? Who was your favorite character out of everybody that you wrote about, and who was mm. the most challenging one to like write about? I mean, I guess I guess my favorite in the in the, in the day is Hetty because. I guess yeah. I'm not someone I spend most of the characters most of the time with. It's most of the time I did a lot of work with, and so I guess it's easy to say that's like the favorite one. I did have a lot of fun writing some of the supporting characters, like Oliver and Penelope, mm-hmm. mostly because they're they're just more like a some some say shades have more a comedic effect at some points. It's most because they're doing that contrast. I think the hardest one of like kind of the main characters is is one of is one of other Hetty's other friends, Darlene, who's the artist, who actually didn't really exist in the first draft. She kind of just mm-hmm. appeared. Mostly because I needed someone as a I guess I needed another female kind of friend in the role in the one of the earlier drafts. And she's kind of just popped up more and more as I build out the character. And I guess because and also because she's most meant to be like the voice of reason kind of character, which is mm-hmm. yes. not always fun to write sometimes. <laughs> you need to you need to be the most reasonable sort of thing. And I think some of the characters that has to be like the voice of reason aren't as quite as fun, but they, they need to have them in there just for character balance. Yeah. Do do the characters because we've we've asked some people and we've gotten mm. different answers, uh, but did the characters like tell you who they were when you were writing them, or were you very clear on like <laughs> I want this person to be this? Yeah, they kind of did that because for Penelope, for, for example, started out as a singer. Cause I think I was going to make her like a traveling singer, like a some minor celebrity and you know i think originally she was supposed to have been like you know traveling recently for return to philadelphia but that's all gone by this final draft because i needed she felt like she needed to be she liked to being around her friends a lot mm-hmm. and also i leaned more into the potion making because immediately she was even more artsy but as i leaned more in potion making she became more sciencey and the other and the other friend darlene was supposed to be like a kind of a scientist i think she was supposed to be like a supposed to have like study like gemology or some mineral stuff geology stuff and she ended up being an artist Oh, okay. So it was like they flipped they as I, I wrote stuff. So it was kind of funny. Like they probably it like, worked wait a minute, I, that's me you're writing about. Change our names. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Flip it up. <laughs> um, so a lot of the book, majority of all the characters are able to do magic. Um, why were some people able to do like the sorcery and then the um, celestial because I, I i saw where there were parts where some of the black characters were learning how to do sorcery <clears throat> but they weren't in the celestial mode is it because that they didn't know how to do magic at all or they just wanted to try something else i think it's a mixture i think that i, I think i envision as being a mixture because since um learning magic is kind of like a skill set like learning to read and write mm-hmm. And when people get lucky enough to learn celestial magic, whether from their family and friends and connections, and the people didn't have that opportunity. And there's also some people who are like, they're interested, they see sorcery, as you know, as being such a powerful source. You know, why people use sorcery, they have the power, they have ability to move and to move and shake in the the world. So they're like, I want to learn sorcery, basically. And there's that kind of camp right there. I think that was kind of one of the things I was kind of toying with as a potential, as a way to show the different way people view magical uh, within the community. And like there are some people also who are more like about potions because they're easy to make because you know follow a recipe and stuff like yeah. that. And there's different dynamics of people how the people approach magic. Yeah, I would be bad at potions because <laughs> that would have, require a lot of memorization. I know for yeah. me, 
And yeah. I'll be like, uh, I got to put this with this. And the next thing I know, maybe the house is on fire. And I'm like, oh, so you, you spoke about Oliver a little bit early on. Why yeah. did why did you choose um, to have that kind of like trope in that story where Oliver is also, you know, he's gay and it's set in like yeah. that time period because, yeah. you know, even up to now, sometimes talking about yeah. that kind of thing is taboo. I'm, I guess I'm always depending. There's, um, I guess the LBG community has always been there. We just mm-hmm. don't see it in history because, you know, it's erased. Yeah, and I don't know, I just felt, I just felt, it felt right when I was building up the characters. Like, I, I had, I think I had, I just felt like he's, he, he, like it's, it just felt like it suited the character. And it's, I guess I didn't, I can't, it's, I guess I didn't envision him in a different way. I guess it's, I wanted, I always like to show diversity different ways mm. in the book. And I think it just, it just felt, I guess it felt right for him to have a relationship with another man mm-hmm. and for his, for his character. And it's, I don't know, just, just how, how it just kind of came to me as a character. So I, as I really have a, Good, better explanation than that basically but i think it i think adding that part mm-hmm. within the book is is highly necessary because those yeah. are the characters that get erased a lot mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about books that involve history you yeah. know it's always like well no one was gay until they were allowed <laughs> to come out yeah. later on right, right? so well, we we don't know maybe a lot of them were we just don't have the words we basically are putting there's the words we use right now, they, they didn't have back then, or they just didn't consider those things. And exactly. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many things we don't know in history, because it gets, because the other people write history books, and they yes. erase all this other stuff. Yes. You can find that all the time with, like, I'm like, as well-known people, like, you, there are, like, other relationships with other men, other women are, like, kind of erased, because, you know, they don't like it. The same thing, like, I guess I think of, I think more prominently, like, with the Greek mythology, like, they would, people all, they would, like, interpret, historians will interpret certain relationships. And, you know, they're just pals, you know, they're just really good friends, mm-hmm. even though, like, the original text is, like, they're totally in love with each yeah. other, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, um, while reading your book, I was instantly reminded of a visit mm-hmm. that I had at um, the Baltimore Arts Museum mm-hmm. a few years ago, yeah. and on display there is a quilt made by Elizabeth Halford Scott, and it's called Plantation. And so the design comprises of stars that's made from like various textiles and colors, and it references the coded maps used by enslaved people to escape slavery. Uh-huh. So in the conductors, Hetty's character is a seamstress. Uh, uh-huh. Was this career choice with the combination of her being able to do celestial magic a homage, uh, you know, to the way Black people use the stars to escape from slavery? Or was it, it just happened to be that you decided to make her a, a seamstress? I, um, one, one, I guess one, one reason I made her, like being a seamstress, being a dressmaker, and I have the ability with it, being the ability to sew, was I saw, I guess I saw it as a way for her to, I guess, have some power to be like, um, choose her employers, basically saying, because I think she kind of says, kind of describes her. And it also, like, people mentioned that she's like the best dressmaker around, basically, which gives her some ability to say, I can quit this job or I can go to this job and make X amount of money. And I like the idea of her, like, using that, have that skill set to make, you know, just to have that ability. And also like the idea of her being kind of crafty in that sense of like, I like the, I think I read the book once. I had like, you know, they had sewing with magic. I always thought it was kind of cool. And... Yeah, I, I, I guess I always thought like of, I thought it was also like a fun way to mix up like kind of feminine traits to certain things too. Cause like, I think I was reading some, as I was, I guess I was revising, I think I saw like the, 
there was something like something on social media talking about like how like feminine like a, a activities like sewing and stuff is always like downgraded that like you know not to like not cool or not like mm. it's fun basically mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't even know like it's a very necessary thing like you before we had like you know stores like you can pick up anything you had to sew everything yeah. and that's having the ability to sew gives you like an outsource to like make money basically a lot of women back in the day they sewed you know any kind of clothes socks or sort of thing to make to make money and it's mm-hmm. a and that's always like a thing that you always still have. Like it's a skill that's probably still useful now. Like having ability to sew something like saves you like time and expense and stuff. So I guess all those things kind of came together with that. And um, and I guess it's funny you think mention the quilts because I remember doing a lot of research to putting up with all the stuff about quilts, like having secret codes and stuff being true or not. And I could I couldn't really find much that said it was. It said it was nothing more like a myth, more or less. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting because it's like, I remember like reading like, oh, the secret messages and quilts, you know, left on like a porch or something like that was like, that's how they knew information about Underground Railroad got along. But a lot of stuff I came across was saying like, oh, that's totally made up or it's not, mm-hmm. not to the extent like we like to think it is. So. Unless that's what yeah. they wanted us to think. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. There's so many sources. We don't really know, do we? <laughs> I appreciate the stream, steam. Okay. I can't speak my words. <laughs> the art of sewing. Because mm. my my family, my my maternal grandparents made their livelihood from sewing. Mm. So sewing like pants and clothes and I agree with you with like, you know, it's a it's a like necessity for everybody. Like we all wear clothes. So before like the luxury of all these things, somebody had to do it. And you know, it it might be a simple like job, but it made my mom go through college and my other my other like, you know, uncles. So I, it was it was a it's a very humble job but very necessary. So I'm like I, I see you, Nicole. I <laughs> Um So I've been going through your Twitter account. Okay. <laughs> and um so one one thing that caught my eye that I absolutely love was uh Erica Bunnington's thread. She posted an amazing thread about the United Order of Tents, and this organization (laughs) was founded in 1867 by two former enslaved women in Hampton, Virginia, which you reside in Virginia, correct? Yes. Um, I'm actually not that far from that location, I found out. Really? Yeah, I can literally do a field trip if I want to. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Yes, it is, and it's. Yeah, that, that thread blew my mind because it's not something I knew about directly, even though I like the idea of secret orders and like mutual aid societies like that. But knowing that there was a specific one like that and so like secretive and all these things involved, it like it blew my mind. It was like, and I was just so happy because I think I did something adjacent in one of my stories of like, this is like perfect. This is like, it's like, it's, 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 it's so exciting for me yeah, to go it- like... It, it it just felt like it was I didn't know if you knew prior yeah. knowledge and you like, okay, let me try to put that in because of what no. the thread that mm. she had placed up there. Mm. But what I absolutely love about your book is that mm. it makes you go and look up things. It's just like, mm. oh, you know, I've never thought about it this way. Let me go yeah. and see. Because even in the very start of your book, you have uh, the warrant letters that yes. are up. Mm. Yeah. And the way that you wrote it, I feel so stupid admitting this, <laughs> but the way that you wrote it made me stop and be like, wait a minute. 
is there really a law about like magic? Like we were not allowed. Was there was there something that I that I missed? You know what? I did that too, but I was you know I was like ashamed to, to tell you because I'm like she probably knew that this is not real, right? But I was like. God damn. I don't know. Maybe there was something out there that we just did not know. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's a lot of things that we don't know. Am, am I magical? Like, can I actually do something? Because I'm about history. Like, my favorite two genres in the whole wide world, and she knows about this, is historical fiction and sci-fi. Like, this does the magic. So I'm like, is this, is this where it's going to? Like, is this real? Like, have I been bamboozled um, all my life? <laughs> I'm happy to hear you say that. I tricked that. I, I got you like that. Because like, I did. I actually did base it off um, some Black Code laws I'd found. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, they were about guns originally. Mm-hmm. And I just no. tweaked it to say like wand and include magic references. So if you think it's a thin thing, I kind of, it helped that I kind of based off of that too. So, but I, I'm just happy to know I, I got you questioning your yes. life choices. Because I'm just like, um. What is this? Like, wait a minute. I could have been a wish this whole time. Like, I didn't know this. <laughs> They're always hot in our history. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> so speaking of, like, you know, you being a writer and stuff like that, um, this is mostly, like, the burning question also in our head. And we, we try to find, like, what does this really mean? Um, you know, since we're on, the, we're on the path of, like, self-destruction right now. <laughs> What is what is being a UX researcher is like? Please help out the um, the the lay the lay people over yes. here. Okay, it's it's user experience researcher. It's basically anytime you go on the website or an app, I'm the person that helps you make it easy to go through and help you point out to where buttons to click, mm-hmm. how do you find the menu items, how do you make it easier for you to like you know buy this thing basically and or how many just make your experience on the website easier basically. And sometimes I'll collect feedback directly from people. For the sort of thing, so so a lot of fun. It's like a, it's basically a marriage between psychology, computers, and art and design. So she is the one to blame for me buying all those crap. <laughs> That's her. Yeah. Like in a nutshell, <laughs> she's she's the instigator and the enabler. <laughs> like click here, takes you mm-hmm. to all of these things. That's on sale. <laughs> um. Yeah, because we were trying to do research on it, research on your researching yeah. job, and it was. The information I was like, I don't understand. Like, are they writing these to the people who actually do this? Not trying to explain it. To, and you, you, you are great at your job because you definitely explained it to where I could understand. Um, speaking of your job, like, did you find that you would use those skills within like writing, writing your book? I think so. I because I, I mean, always been like kind of research researcher anyway. So I like it's uh, the skill set to like researching things, looking for information, um, comparing and contrasting things. All it kind of really kind of helpful because I did a lot of did a lot of research for this book, a lot of research for a book with magic, to, to be honest. And it kind of having this kind of skill set and background of this research to be able to move, move, move my way around certain things really did did help. Yeah, because it's you know like oh yeah, it's it's a book about magic, but the thing is like the magic has to be also kind of like believable. It, like the balance is hard to do mm-hmm. that's at least for me so when she's starting to do like the sigils and stuff and i'm like okay this girl did some some looking up into those these things and like she knows like what to write what to do how how it transforms and stuff like that so and also i feel like 
like you said earlier, was it, it literally reminded me of like when I was watching Sailor Moon <laughs> and how they are and their little things. Yes. So yeah. I was like, hmm, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> so we're always interested in the writers that we interview, your, your writing process. And we, on your Twitter feed, once again, <laughs> uh, we saw that... Um, you wrote a lot of your book like in the library across the street from your from your job. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you how did your way of writing change for you when the pandemic started? Did you find yourself having to get yourself in the in a good place, maybe in your house? Like how how did you go about it? Yeah. Well, it was this one's a little bit different. I, I had turned in the book before the pandemic started. I had well, two books actually. I had turned in the book in the previous fall moved and turned another book so i was like wiped out before this pandemic hit <laughs> and it just kind of it was even more tired so actually i had to take a while to get back in the mood i had to actually did like a, a another story to kind of get back in the back in the mode of writing again mm-hmm. there's something entirely different it was like a middle grade type of fantasy you know there's something fun something that's kind of freeing that's i don't have to worry about all these rules and but it took so many so long because i think it took me much longer than usual to draft, and I know it's I don't know if it's pandemic or just being the, just tired from this all the other writing I did beforehand. But you know, just kind of just getting back in the mode of stuff, and my I guess it also the way I kind of draft and had ideas changed too because you know I, when I was in working and stuff, I would have like my lunch breaks, I would like you know jot down notes and stuff like that, and I kind of stopped doing that when I'm working from home because it's easy to you know get a break for lunch and go back to work because my laptop's right there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of just changed out to some of, I guess, my usual flow of things. I ended up having to remember to take a notebook out and leave it on the side, just jot down the notes. So I did a lot of, I did a lot of handwriting in my notebooks. Mm-hmm. I, all my little stand notebooks, I have, like, I, from when I was writing before, I had, like, a zillion of, like, I guess about 20 of them that I've used in the past. Probably more than that, I found. Because I mean, I moved, I found a bunch of them all over the place. Oh. So I, I handwrote a lot of my stuff, all my ideas to brainstorm, to, like, outlining things. Because when I was working, I you know I'd I'd kind of have a, I would outline like things, scenes I would want to write in the, in the, at the end of the at, at night and stuff, or on the weekends, and that all kind of changed because I'm not really I'm not really having that set as time set aside for that, or or wasn't really making the time for that, and yeah, I don't know. I just I think also I think I spent a lot of time because I'm waiting. I was waiting between edits for for the books and everything because I was doing copy edits all through the pandemic, all through the mm. excitement of the summertime and everything like that. And so it's like, it's, it's just a being jerked between one project that was, you know, that I'm coming paid for and trying to find time for like new projects that either for fun or potential future stuff. And this, everything else is doing everything else on top of things. And I guess I'm lucky in a sense, I only have myself to take care of. So I have that, I'm lucky to have that, um, don't, one less worry about in the sense of that sense of things, but yeah, just more is me trying to find this back in my groove in a sense. Are you working from home or do you have to go into office? No, I'm still working from home. I'm lucky enough that they just my office decided to work. Actually, it's, they they had a I guess they had, they had an announcement saying we actually have better product productivity at home than back in the office. Apparently, because oh. well, we're because we're a tech company, so it helps that. A lot of the stuff we could do on the laptops anyway. I think people are still go- some people still go back to the office because we have like a sales team and some other tech people who come in so every so often. But we have a very our higher ups are nice enough to let have us flexibility to have most let us mostly be work from home and allow people to and so there's a protocols for people who come into the office and stuff. So 
Oh, that's good. That's that's definitely mm-hmm. a blessing when you can be able to work yeah. from home. Yes. Mm-hmm. Keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, despite there being many writers of color, we found that when it comes to books that deal with like magic or fantasy or sci-fi mm-hmm. um, with these storylines, that it's rare that you mm-hmm. see writers. Um, and we thank you for making it less rare. Yes. Um, where do you see like the future of fantasy and sci-fi stories uh, written by black and brown authors? I guess it's a feature where like, you know, all the common tropes, the stories from the, you know, the farm, the farm boys who saved the world to like, you know, a ramble shack group of people like D&D style, you know, all those common tropes you see in fantasy, there's being explored in different ways, different settings, and maybe even possible like more imaginative settings of like that. I think so, I saw something a while ago saying like, you know, a lot of our fantasy, a lot of our science fiction are set in like very like earth-based worlds. We're not mm-hmm. seeing these worlds made of, of salts like coming from the sky or, you know, very weird colors mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Or, or barely, or most of, our, most of our protagonists are always human. We barely see like any kind of weird alien kind of creatures or mm-hmm. non, basically non-human kind of creatures. But I basically see the future of, you know, just more viewpoints and hopefully different styles of storytelling too. Cause I think I saw like a, something a while ago saying, uh, emphasizing that not diversity needs not just be like who's being stories about, but like different, the style of storytelling, yes. rethinking the typical uh, like kind of quest myths of, you know, like, you know, the old school Joseph Campbell thing and thinking of more ways to tell stories. I think I saw I a lot of a lot of good posts I saw. I remember seeing last year about the spiral storytelling or meandering things or looking more mm. to like the, I guess, I guess I call like something you're calling the Studio Gibbio style, like a yes. more lighthearted sales and just different, basically different types, different ways you tell stories and different arcs and different ways we view the stories and our questions about what we think conflict is in the story and and all this other fun stuff that the interest I would love to see more. Have you especially had, traditionally? Have you been able to meet a lot more uh, writers like you who are who are writing fantasy and and sci-fi and historical fiction? Yeah, yeah, I think I guess one thing I'm getting but more on social media, I get to meet more people doing sort of thing and seeing more arise. I think. And just across from like, because I've always been big in reading science fiction and fantasy, but now I can actually name more than a couple of hands, like a couple of the names than I did back when I was when I was younger reading more books. It's, and there's more still I haven't found. And also I've been, tr- I've been trying to see if I can try to get more into reading like self-published titles too, because I know there is a bunch of, I guess it's more, it's always been access to me because I always been a more of like, I go to the library, get my books. I know a lot of self-published books rarely make it to libraries. And I want to, I guess, want to make, I was trying to make an effort this year to go actually go seek out more like self-published titles. I know, I guess there are probably just more different things, viewpoints, and other authors who, who are doing some interesting things I don't, I don't know about who are, mm-hmm. they're just equally as good as traditionally, traditionally published. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like your take on like, you know, diversity, mm-hmm. not just being like the plain, what we see like black or white that you mm-hmm. know, the media is trying to present. Cause yeah, like, why don't we have stories that, you know, start off like really, really in an off tangent like you know mm. like studio ghibli is one one example of just just you're like what what are you walking into you yeah. you don't really know but it's a lovely lovely story and when you come think about it it's just a story about like humans too mm-hmm. it's the human experience so i like i like that take so um with the conductors you know essentially we always ask our authors like who do you write who do you write for in this novel uh, I think 
I tend to write my stories for myself first. I know it's like, Mm -hmm. and I guess it's kind of a selfish answer to say, but you know, I write things that interest me, Mm -hmm. things I want to see done, really read about, the characters do fun things I like to write about, like topics. I like a thing. I write anything kind of topic included things. You know, I liked a lot. That's why it's in the book, basically. And it's also for people like-minded like me who, you know, who like to say the little little things like like I do that hopefully will kind of will, will buy with all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and it's stereotypical also younger kids too that they're like me being the, the curious readers or written readers who like, you know, read stuff older, much older than, than me when I was a kid. Like, no, it's always been like, I've always read like things that I probably shouldn't have read when I was really young. And <laughs> I, write, I write for those kids too. Do you remember... Maybe like one of your earliest stories when you were a kid. Do you remember what it was about? Yeah, one of the first little story stories was it was a mystery story. It was like a one page per chapter. It was a very kind of it was kind of kind of echoing like the Babysitter Club. It was like a group of, group of friends. I think it was like based in the school. It was like little they're solving mysteries. I can't remember what the mystery was, but I do remember that I had clip art and part of each chapter. <laughs> I had fun making up titles and making up different fonts for the chapters and stuff. And I had a list. I think I lost it, but I had a list of all potential chapters, like not potential chapters, book titles, like series. <laughs> it was like big. It was like 50 titles for this series I never wrote. And all these crazy things. And I was like a super, they're like super specials kind of going off the Babysitter's Club titles and stuff like that. It was extensive. And that was kind of like the first kind of serious stories I wrote. And there's been other things, but I always think fondly back to those things because I print them out and like, you know, yeah, that's other thing. Did your did your friends? You have friends that would get to read the stories you write? No, I don't think I shared them. Mostly because I, when I was younger, I actually used my friend's name in the stories. <laughs> they, the characters didn't rec- didn't resemble them at all, but those are names <laughs> I knew, so I put them in the story. <laughs> See, humble beginnings. We, <laughs> yeah. we always we always write about our friends and the people we know. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. what is um, what is the biggest thing that you want people to take away from from your novel, The Conductors? That it's okay to mix um, like fantasy and like mystery and science fiction. Only kind of special element into like history that mm-hmm. there are time periods of history that. Yes, they aren't the best time periods to revisit, but there's, I guess there's, I don't know, there's, it's part of your history of things you can explore with certain things. And I don't know, it's not as, just because it's history, it's not as, it's not as serious as it might seem. It's like, mm-hmm. I try to include a lot of, of, you know, like community dynamics, like a lot of friendships and like fun stuff within the book. And because you know, people, they, I don't know, they lived their lives back then. And, and I kind of ex- explore that. So, and I know I had another because I know I, was, I can't think of anything else, but um, yeah, and you know, like astrology and stuff is fun. Yeah, <laughs> we shouldn't we shouldn't shy away from that because it's around yeah. us. Yes, it yeah. is. It is forever and always will be. Mm. Um, <clears throat> is there a possibility that the conductors will, you know, become a TV show? Or... I want it to be an anime. <laughs> Uh, that would, it, I think it would be really dope as an anime. Like somebody needs to <laughs> do the sketches on this. Come on, let's would you a... want to see that happen? Oh yeah, I totally can see it being vid- any kind of thing: movie, TV series, anime series. Give me a comic book series, video games. Oh I'm God. all for it. Comic It'll be great. Book. All right, comic book artists, Hulu, <laughs> Netflix, HBO. Are you listening? <laughs> I just, I just, I really want this to be an anime. Can we please 
that's that's the 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 kid in me that was like can we just can I just watch this? That would be so cool. Can I just watch like the magic light up and those dogs yeah. clean up? Like, can we just do it? <laughs> oh, that was my favorite part when mm. when everything was coming from her her neck out of her mm. clothes and you see the the dogs mm. and the woman. Yeah. Good job. And for yeah. those who don't know what I'm talking about, go pick up this book. Read, read the book. It, read it. We don't want to mm-hmm. spoil it. Mm-hmm. Um. Now on to our big question of the evening. <laughs> you mean the the Sailor Moon question was not big? That was, that was my thing. The second biggest Thank question. You. Um, we want to know your top five. So it could be your top five favorite. It can be the top five books that you are excited about that's coming mm. out. It can be whatever. But we want to know top five books that you want the world to know. Okay. Um, uh, right now, my big on my mind is Black Sun by Rebecca Rowan Horse, which I was shook from <laughs> last fall. Like, I can't wait for the next one. Um, let's see. Um, I liked a lot of. I can't. I, I can't. Um, P. Jelly's Clark's books. And I know he has a new novel coming out. I forget the name, like Master Jen, but his novella on um, tram car on. on Oh, zero fifteen was good, mm-hmm. and because it was like a the mystery and in like a basically a magical mystery ministry that solved mysteries in, in Egypt. So that was like that was great. Um, Damn, that sounds amazing. Let me think. Um, those some recent ones. Let me think of. Um, I always hate when it's kind of those at the top. Um, like any like a number. Uh, let's go with Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older, which I liked because it was all that was that was fun. I, I liked the the, the the chalk drawings and everything like that. I think that was in there. Um, see. I love this question because it always gets people to be like, hmm, let me think. <laughs> like, ask ask a writer anything but, like, the the top five books, right? <laughs> yeah, just, I'm just thinking, like, anything that I want to recommend to people. Um, more, moving away from fantasy, um, A Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. I think I read the, like, I read the most recent edition recently, and her, her preface she had, the introduction she had to it was like a, it was like an entire, uh, writing lesson, basically, a writing class, mm-hmm. basically. And there was a lot of fun things about flying that I guess that resonated with me as I was writing this book. And, I don't know, number five? I guess I'll go with the Sailor Moon, all oh, the Sailor Moon graphic novels. Yeah, entire series. Sailor it's, Moon for re- win. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's that's not in my. I'll write up my top five, and I guess more technically. And that's what's up. You know, you gotta have that Sailor Moon in there. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. mostly for me, but that's okay. <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, <laughs> we know that the conductors is is the first of um another novel, um, mm-hmm. The Undertaker. So. Um, can you give us a little, um, you know, snippet, any, anything that would like wet our palate? <laughs> um, I don't, I guess it's kind of weird because you know, the book, the book just came out. I don't want to spoil too much, but it's basically another adventure with the characters and, you know, it deals, it, it kind of dives into my interest in learning about the fire companies in Philadelphia, that there were, used to be volunteer fire companies and they weren't that great. You know, they were basically like mobs in a sense. They, you know, they kind of literally let people houses burn and stuff. And 
Yeah, they did. That's why the city eventually got their own fire fire company. Yeah, so I kind of dive in a bit. I kind of go, I kind of take it to, for my purposes for the story. But it was like one of those things that kind of started, that, that was just kind of the seed for the story. Oh, goodness. So. Didn't Benjamin Franklin, like, start the first fire department? Or am I wrong? I might be wrong. He I might have. I know there were volunteer too. ones for a while. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, it was very fascinating to learn about as I was researching things. And so, like, that was like, a good thing to get. It's like my little plot bunny that I kind of used a bit within the, with the second book. And that was like one. It's one of the many threads in the, in the book. Ooh. Okay, so yeah. that means I'm still seeing my girl Hetty in the next book. Right? <laughs> yeah. Are you hoping it's to gonna... have one after the after the Undertakers? Is this going to be an ongoing series that you hope to write? It's potential. I have ideas. It's just you know, it's if it, yeah, it's, I have ideas basically, and there's hope. There's there's hope for more of it. I hope that <laughs> happens because it's it's this is a good series and. Yeah. Um, congratulations to you. We hope that you have much success. Do your your parents or your your family say anything about you becoming a writer? Um, oh my gosh, my family has this thing. They have like um an email list that we everyone's on. And I spent last week, you know, making announcements. Like we always make announcements for certain things. Like you know, something good happens, we share it out. So like mom's like, you need to make an email to the entire family so they know your book's coming out. Aww. And I did that and. You know, I was blown away. I got a lot of responses saying not just congratulations, but, you know, pictures of them buying the book and stuff. And, That's you know, my aunt basically saying, I'm going to tell everybody around home, everybody on my phone to buy to get your book and stuff like that. And just like a lot of this, a lot of gen- like gen- genuine support for certain things. That's so and, sweet. That's yeah. Really- and, like, oh. and my mom read the book and stuff. And she told me she finished it yesterday and said that she liked it and, <laughs> and all this other stuff, which I was <laughs> nervous about because that's like my mom reading my book. Yes. Yeah. that's your all like your first like your first fan but they're always the first one to tell you be like yeah. you know what you know when you mess up so thank you mom <laughs> seal of approval oh yeah um well just thank you so much it has been a, a an honor a pleasure you are more than welcome to come back and talk to us about fantasy astrology like yes, we're here for it yeah and you know if you want to come back and Talk to us about your next book. We're here. We're here for you. Okay. Um, yeah, this is probably fun. Yeah. Can you make an Instagram though, so we can follow you? And I don't know. We just, we just, we just want to see you know more pictures of your books and stuff. So have you, have you have you gone on to Instagram just to see if anybody's like done anything amazing with your book? And I had really, I'm like weird about social media stuff. I mean, because I got, when I was going in tech, I'm like, I don't need as much social media. I guess I know I've been tempted, but I know my sister's got Insta and it's big, it's a big thing. And all the people moving Insta. But I don't know. Maybe I might pop up. We'll see. You could always like make a, mm-hmm. make a fake account, make a stalker yeah. account or something, <laughs> or just yeah. log into one of your siblings and just be like, mm-hmm. you know, put a hashtag, the conductors <laughs> and just see where my, what my book looks like <laughs> on the internet. Cause there, it's out there. We've we've mm-hmm. been seeing a lot of things that's been done with your okay. book. So, yep. Okay, Ooh, cool. I guess that's packing my interest. I might make one. Yeah, cause there's a lot of creative people, you know, putting mm-hmm. the book in like distinct spaces and like taking mm-hmm. like good pictures about it. Yeah. So. Cause um, there, the actor Daniel uh, Kaluuya, he has an oh. Instagram, but he has no posts. 
But it's <laughs> convenient because then you can tag him and stuff, and then people mm. can come back and look and see. So you mm. could just probably just have one out there that's just floating around in the ether, and then people are just like, okay, we can tag her in <laughs> these things, and you can go back and be like, look at my book. That's just everywhere. Okay. But again, uh, congratulations. Okay. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to our, our podcast. And like we said, you are more than welcome to come back at any time. Yes, we appreciate okay. we appreciate your time and have a wonderful evening, Nicole. Thank you again. Thank you. It was great talking to you guys. All right. Bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.